0: Welcome back to Pregnancy Prep, my podcast. I'm Ainsley Kirkpatrick, and I am a registered massage therapist. I'm also a birth and postpartum doula, and this podcast is to help educate anybody kind of going through this process, whether you are the pregnant individual, or you're a partner, or you just have somebody that you love going through this, and you're trying to get educated so that you can be helpful. I'm here to do the research and to answer your questions. So, if you do have any questions about labor, delivery, or the postpartum period, please send them to my Instagram. You can just DM me. It's ainsleyk.rmt.doula, which is A-I-N-S-L-E-Y-K, period, R-M-T, period, D-O-U-L-A. And that's on Instagram. So, today is the final part of the three-part series about epidurals, and today's episode is about the risks of the epidurals. I would just like to reiterate the message that I started off last episode with, which is that this is not me giving an opinion or giving a recommendation for what you should do about the epidural. This is simply just giving the facts about the epidural so that you can make an informed choice. Um I think it's really important to remember that there's no judgment, especially here in this podcast. And so try to remember that what I'm saying is just pure facts. I'm just trying to make sure that you feel educated. I don't want anyone to feel like I'm attacking you or your decisions, because trust me, that is not the case at all. You always have to do what is best for you, what's best for your baby. So I'm going to start off today's episode with the consent form that you will be given in the hospital before getting an epidural. So yeah, number one, if you didn't know already, if you are getting the procedure and getting an epidural before you do that, you're going to be given a consent form, a legal document to read. And if you are in the throes of labor and your contractions are pretty close together, this could be a little bit difficult to read and you might end up just signing it not knowing exactly what you're signing. So I'm going to go over just a basic outline of what the consent form is. So before you have the epidural, you must sign a consent form, legal document, stating that you have been informed of the nature of the procedure and its risks. By signing the form, you are saying that you agree to get the epidural and that you are aware of your alternative methods, alternatives that could be used for pain management, and the risks. And so what I've done here is I've compiled... The list of complications that will be on the consent form that you technically are legally required to read before signing it, because I think that hearing them now, when you're not in pain or when you're not watching a partner or a loved one in pain, um, is different than being in that room and reading it then, because some of them can be a little bit scary, and and honestly, in those situations, I'm not sure if people fully take in exactly what they're reading. So these are popular, <laughs> not popular possible complications and risks, though they are very uncommon, they are still possible of getting an epidural. Um, there's always possibility that you will have failure to relieve labor pain, so it just won't work. That is always a possibility. Um, hypotension. This is something that we discussed in the last episode. It uh, means lowered blood pl- pressure. Um, and while that actually could be a benefit um, to somebody who's having hypertension, who's having uh, raised blood pressure... Um, It's not great for somebody who's having no blood pressure issues. If it lowers it, that could be um, dangerous for both the birthing parent and for the baby. Um, Back pain, funny enough, is actually uh, a side effect of or a possible side effect or risk of the epidural. And it doesn't just mean back pain during labor, which I mean, that's possible as well. But it could also mean... Um back pain moving forward potentially for years and years and years um temporary nausea or vomiting, um the breakage of needles or catheters that would um require surgical removal and again, I want to be very clear these are uncommon. It's just important that you know, them. there's possibility of infection, there is a possibility of a hematoma, which would be a blood clot, and again that would require surgery. There is a possibility of a post <laughs> posterior puncture. Postural puncture. Oh my gosh. Posterior puncture. Words are difficult today. So that means just the backside puncture, um, which would cause spinal fluid to leak. So that would mean that the needle went all the way through the space right to the other side, made a puncture, and now spinal fluid is leaking. And this will cause an enormous horrible horrible headache and that could last for a while and it could require uh, medical therapy if that was to happen. Um, <laughs> I've wrote down temporary nausea and vomiting twice so just be aware that's a big one. And then we have two fairly big ones. Um, it could be possible to have a uh, temporary total spinal anesthesia which would mean It's not just your lower half that would be affected. Um, You could also have. Respiratory or cardiac arrest. And both of those instances. Being fully paralyzed and. um, Having your lungs not work. Or your heart not work. Those would require life support. um, Afterwards. And then the last one is the fetal distress. Resulting from the two above. So. If you were paralyzed or if you had a cardiac arrest, um, those two things would obviously have quite a big effect on the fetus, on the baby. Um, so that is all on the form that you have to sign before getting this procedure. So you have to read and sign that. Um, I have some other things that aren't on that list that I think are important to know. Um, oh, I did miss one actually, the persistent, uh, area of numbness so you could have a weakness in your legs for longer than anticipated. Um okay, so now moving forward from the consent form. Um one thing that's really important to know if you get an epidural, you're going to have um decreased movement obviously um because of the effect of the medication, but also because um Depending on where you're delivering, uh, depending on the rules of the facility that you're in, um, most hospitals are going to have uh, rules about your movement and um, your position options. Um, not only just because you have the epidural in, but because when you get an epidural, especially in a hospital, you then, well, you're only going to get an epidural in a hospital, obviously, but um, you're then required to get an IV and they will have to monitor you and the baby so you'll have to have a device that wraps all the way around your abdomen that is tracking the heart rate of the baby and also one um, monitoring your heart rate and so you're now attached to an iv and two different machines and so that's going to make moving around and getting into different positions incredibly incredibly challenging it's also going to make doing things like getting in the shower or the bathtub impossible um, so i think that that's really important to know beforehand if you had had this vision of of not being on your back for the delivery of maybe standing or squatting or being in the tub, that's now off the table. Um, something that we touched on in the um, other episodes, but it is important to touch on it again as a risk of the epidural, is that you might actually start to feel detached from the labor process. And I don't just mean the birthing parent. Um, it's possible that once the epidural is inserted and the pain has gone away that, um, a partner could think no pain and then no support. So like, she's not in pain anymore. I'm going to go sleep. She's not in pain anymore. I'm going to go on my iPad. She's not in pain anymore. I'm going to watch the hockey game, things like that. Um, which can result in the birthing parent feeling abandoned or alone, which we do not want. Um, it was in the consent form but I have written down here it might not work so again that's always something to remember that you're you're going through this process and it's possible that it won't work and I think it's important to remember that in a labor that is progressing quote-unquote normally um, with a birthing parent who's handling the pain well that some of these side effects and risks would Outweigh the benefits that you receive by the epidural um, okay, so one big one here is um you could die, death is a possibility, um, but I want to be very clear that it is unbelievably unlikely, like it is so so very unlikely, and that you are more likely to die in the car driving to the hospital than you would be from receiving the epidural. Another side effect is that all of that pressure actually could be directed right into your rear, so instead of feeling the pain where you were feeling it, all of it is now centered um, in your anus, and that can be incredibly uncomfortable, and there's really nothing that can be done. Um... And yep, I have back pain written down again. So it's unexplained and it could last for years. I actually, in my massage therapy practice, have women come in 30 years later and they say, yep, this part of my back has hurt since my first epidural with my first birth. Um, While the epidural is very effective in pain management, I think it's important to know that um, the epidural does not mean that you're not suffering anymore. It just means that for the most part, for most people, that the pain has gone away, um, you can still have mental suffering. And a lot of people have this huge idea that they they think that the epidural means weakness. They don't want to get the epidural. They think they're meant to do this without the pain medication. And then when they finally do decide to get it and, or they've been told to get it or whatever the case may be, they might be sitting there mentally suffering really beating themselves up that they ended up having to get the pain medication. And so it's really important to check in with your, um, your partners if they, um, if they do get the epidural and really talking through their feelings about it, because it can be very, very challenging for people just mentally to accept that they've done this. Um, another thing actually, honestly, that I didn't know until I did this research is it can come out. It is, as we discussed in previous episode, um, it is a catheter that is taped in and it is just taped on and it can come out. And then they'd have to do the procedure again to get it back in. Um, When you get an epidural, you are no longer allowed to eat. Most hospitals won't let you eat anymore. um, Just because there's now a higher chance that you're going to need a cesarean section. And um, before any surgery, they don't want you eating. They want your stomach to be empty uh, because it's safer. And making pushing more difficult. Um, because you've lost the sensation in the area where the baby's coming out in your pelvis, um, it makes it a lot more difficult for the healthcare practitioners to instruct you how to push because you can't feel where they're telling you to concentrate that pushing sensation. Um, Some women have reported that it feels like you can't breathe once you get an epidural. So I think that that's really important for people to know. And then I would say that the number one thing when I reached out to the community to ask about um, things they wished that they had known before pregnancy was that an epidural can cause quite a bit of shaking and it can cause you to feel very cold. And they wished that they'd been told about all the shaking because they they felt like they were dying. They felt like something was very, very wrong. They didn't know that that was a side effect. So definitely try to remember about the shaking because that, that frightens people. And then the last thing that I've got down here is very important for you to um, to know, because I'm not sure that everyone does know this, and it's not something that's going to be in the books as a side effect of the epidural. It's not going to be on that list on the consent treatment, but this does happen. So when you're getting the epidural, like I mentioned, you're then going to be getting an IV. And I think that it's important for you to realize that when you get an IV, that your tissue is going to swell. You'll have kind of a puffy face and your fingers will look a little bit swollen and stretched out as will your feet. But one thing that you're not going to be thinking about is um, this happens to all the tissue on your body and it can also happen to your breast tissue and to your nipples. And so that that can cause an issue with breastfeeding and latching because it can make it bigger and it can make it more difficult for the baby. Um, Another thing is that while it is completely safe for the baby, the IV medication can Cause the baby to be lethargic in utero. That would mean that they could have trouble getting into position because they're kind of feeling loopy and they're not really able to control everything. And postpartum leave that could mean that again, they're lethargic. They're kind of feeling out of it and they're going to have trouble actually latching. So this could have effects long after, um, the actual labor and delivery. So it's just important to, to think about these things and keep yourself educated. Like I said, guys, if you have any further questions, please just message me on Instagram. I'll leave my Instagram handle in the show notes like always, but that's all we've got today. That is the risks of getting an epidural. Um, I'm not sure actually what our next episode is going to be about. So if you have any ideas or have anything you're wondering about, please reach out to me. Um, have a great afternoon, night, morning, wherever you are in the world, and I'll see you next time. Thank you.